you are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio. And in studio tonight, and we have Brennan and Dave and myself, Jody, and we will hear from Hank and Craig a little later. We're still in the midst of the CFCR membership drive. So if you have no idea what this is, you should check out the website, cfcr.ca. You can phone the radio station and get uh, details as well, 664-6678. Basically, get a membership. Be one of us. You get discounts at participating businesses. You get the opportunity to enter into really cool contests and prizes and quite often like tickets for events that are exclusive. So that's kind of awesome. There are all kinds of perks. Plus, of course, just bragging rights because like who doesn't want to be a part of this amazing exclusive club be a part of us and help support cfcr community radio by buying a membership it's the only club that will have me as a member that i want to be part of there you go groucho very nice i also do want to put in a plug for ToonCon is this weekend so uh, if you have no idea what this is this is like a big board game extravaganza uh, they've been doing this for a number of years of course last year previous was a little different because of covid but they're back on and it is at the ramada hotel and there's just like board games all these different people are hosting like a board game so you can just show up sit down play a game they have this amazing auction so like a lot of just like community board gamers will just like donate or just like say, hey, sell this game for me because I have too many games and I want to buy more games. And so you can get some really awesome deals on board games. So it's well worth checking out. They have a Facebook page, ToonCon. You want, you want to make that part of your weekend plans for sure. Is that T-O-O-N con? Correct, Amundo. Yes. Yahtzee. Bingo. You got it right. All right. I have a copy of Arkham Horror that I bought during COVID that you can play by yourself. And I was so excited. I can play this game by myself. And I played it for about two hours. Realized I was doing it wrong. Watched a YouTube video for an hour and a half. Still had no idea what I was doing. And I was going to give it away. So maybe I'll go take it there and I can have someone sell it for me. There you go. Great idea. Or I'll just... Or else give to who, who walks by, like, here, you can you can have this. Like, it's barely, barely, barely used. So there you go. I, I both love and hate the idea of a board game that I need to watch a YouTube video in order to understand how to play it. There's something about that that I don't like, but there's also something about that that, like, you know, if I'm willing to watch the video, that probably means the game is going to be fun. We got the Dune game. Now, there's a couple of different Dune board games now since the movie has come out. Uh, I bought Dune Imperium. It's still in its wrapper. We bought the Dune game. Now, the original Dune game came out like, you know, 40 plus years ago and is like insanely great and complicated and wonderful. And then it was out of print forever. And people were just like, gotta have this back. It was to the point where a friend of mine sent me PDF files so that I could print my own game. Yeah. I didn't quite get there. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I never did. And then suddenly like last year they re-released it and I bought a copy and we watched the YouTube tutorial and it's super complex, but you can play the dumb version as well, but it looks amazing, but we just don't, we haven't had any friends. It's like three dimensional spice risk. Kind of. Yeah. 
Um, and the storm can like wipe out your army. So even if you're doing really well against everybody else, chance just might bring the worms and then you're doomed. Yeah, I mean, but the game was hard to understand, but it was probably still easier than commanding Arrakis. That's true. I, I would have a better chance of learning how to play and excel at this board game than I do at conquering the desert planet. Fair. Fair enough. All right. Enough chit chat on the show today. We are going to talk some music. We are going to talk a bunch of comics. What have you been reading lately, Brennan? What do you, what's on your uh, recommend platter? I have a whole <clears throat> different selection of things. I'm going to talk about the one that I'm the most excited about, which is the Human Targets, Tom King, Greg Smallwood, book six came out. Now, this is, a, I think, a week old already, a week or two old. If you have not been reading this series, go go get it. If you can get back issues or when it becomes a graphic novel, pick it up. It is so, 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 so good. Now, if you're like a straight ahead superhero fan, this might not be quite your thing just because there are like a lot of panels of people talking and conversations. But if you're someone who likes a good crime, spy, espionage, 007 kind of twist with superheroes in it, this is definitely the book for you. So in book six, we still have the human target trying to figure out who has poisoned him. So basically he's been assassinated when he was impersonating Lex Luthor back in issue one. And he's trying to figure out who his killer is. He's getting more and more sick. We have these great cameos. Dr. Midnight is his doctor trying to help him out, which I love. <laughs> Dr. Midnight is actually a doctor. Um, him and Ice in issue five, they're having a good relationship. Now they're in a fight. So he's trying to patch things up with her. And of course, there are some issues with an ex-boyfriend. There is a shot in this comic that could be one of my all-time favorite panels or sequences in a comic I've read, I've read in recent history. Because of this one series of panels, you realize, okay, this isn't in canon. This has to be like an offshoot, which Tom King does really well. And I think maybe that's why people didn't like him on Batman so much. If you give him six to 12 issues, he will give you a story that blows your mind. That being said, all these stories don't really fall into the actual mainstream universe. Now, that being said, with a multi-universe, who knows? This could happen somewhere in some world. But something happens to a character which was my, I loved it. It was mind blowing. It was a character that I'm glad it happened to. And if this wasn't canon, I would be very, very happy, but I'm sure it's not. I don't want to say any more just because I don't want to wreck it, but it's great. Check it out. Even if you think this isn't my kind of book, start with issue six. They kind of do a good summary of what's happening. And there's some really cool stuff in there. And of course, at the end, there's a secret guest star. And also the human targets like, uh oh, things just got more complicated. That being said, by issue seven, that means he only has five more days to live. So we will see if he gets to find out who his assassin is. I, yeah, no, it's really good. If you haven't been reading it, it's a Beach Boys album cover meets 007 in comic book form. Great. Check it out. I also read War for Earth 3, issue two of two. So I realized they had a Suicide Squad, War for Earth 3, one of two, and then a War for Earth 3 proper one and two. I'm guessing there's probably like a flash war for Earth three, one and two. I'm not sure. But this is the actual proper war for Earth three, two of two. Amanda Waller has gone for Earth three and she has a plan to take control of it. And of course, her plan is going well and she's running chaos. There's a whole bunch of characters doing a whole bunch of things. 
there is a really interesting twist they did with this series that I didn't expect for them, where Amanda Waller actually has a redeeming quality. Now, you're not quite sure if it's totally redeeming or if it's her own plot. You never, you never quite know, right? I don't want to say too much of it just because there's a lot going on. But my favorite sequence in this entire comic, Mirror Master is teleporting like crazy, which I love. I love Mirror Master. And so the fact he's actually doing an important job in this comic, I love. And Ambush Bug, they team up against Omega Man. So he's like the Superman of Earth 3. And he goes ballistic when he figures out he's being conned by Amanda Waller. And through, they get him flying really fast. And then Ambush Bug and Mirror Master, a little bit of a spoiler, but so good. Ambush Bug will teleport him somewhere else. And then Mirror Master will teleport him somewhere else. And they just keep teleporting him over and over and over and over again. And he's going so fast, he can't stop it until the point he finally crash lands. It was really good. And again, the fact that Mirror Master and Ambush Bug are actually like taking on a Superman character, that was my favorite part. At the end, it actually ends with a neat twist, which I'm assuming could become another spinoff, maybe, or maybe it's what the Suicide Squad is going to be. I'm not quite sure. The multiverse is exploding. Multiverse things are happening. So check it out. But um, like I said, like this little War for Earth 3 was actually kind of a nice starting point. So if you like the Suicide Squad movies and think you might want to read it kind of in a comic book form, I would start with that. It was it was pretty good. Excellent. Well, we are carrying on with Saga. So issue three came out last week. Which is actually like issue 55 yeah. or something like that. Issue three since like the return from the hiatus. So yeah, so it's actually, yeah, I think issue 56. Somewhere in the 50s. Anyways, okay. And it is, I'm happy to say getting back to its like true form. It really is. So we're getting more plot. We're getting more characters involved. I really like that they're talking more about the, um, like the racial aspect. So, cause that's what kicked off their relationship in the first place was that it was two different races who were in the middle of a civil war who shouldn't have anything to do with one another they fall in love get pregnant have a baby and then everyone is trying to murder them because they don't want to think that those races could possibly get along and so now alana is trying to like protect her kid she's trying to survive in the universe with all these different factions coming at her and uh, she's had to make some pretty tough decisions about like the physical aspects that identify her in her race and what she has to do about that to disguise herself. Yeah, she's at, at war with her own body a little bit. She is. And, and so it's, that's kind of an interesting aspect of, of her plight. So it's really cool to actually see them explore this. Yeah, I feel like this one, third one since the hiatus, which was like, I want to say five or six years. Three years. Three, three okay, years. it felt like five or six years. Th this is kind of the one for me where Saga is coming back into its own. Yeah. You can kind of see where, you know, the Will and Alana might eventually cross paths. Yeah. Um, you're like, it, it's probably a ways off, but they're definitely sowing the seeds of that encounter. Uh, and they're also flashing back a lot to, you know, things that happened before, like kind of the, I, I don't want to give it away in case people haven't read it, but um, sort of the, the tragic ends that happened before the hiatus, we're, we're flashing back to, you know, the time when characters that we've lost were still alive. 
And also some of the new characters that have been introduced in these last three issues are getting a little bit more room to breathe. True. Yeah. True. Um, I would also recommend like if, if you read or are rereading Saga and you, like most readers, uh, skip over the letters section at the end, Saga has one of the best letter sections of just about any comic book. Um, so yeah, if you if you get to the end and you're like, oh, tiny font text, TLDR, maybe consider reading it. I was I was anticipating the letter page in in this one just because last month's issue ended so in such a controversial way with one of the characters sort of poking fun at the idea of trigger warnings. And I, I knew they must have received letters about that, but they didn't print any. So I'm going to keep reading the letters column because I, I am really curious. I, I know there probably were some Saga fans that maybe felt like that last issue ended in a way that was like a little bit out of step or was pushing a, the envelope in a direction that some readers would definitely be uncomfortable with. Um, but it's one of the things that keeps this comic interesting. Yep. It's just another facet that we know and love about Image Comics. So awesome. All right, Brennan, did you have any other comics that you wanted to talk about? Um, my last one I'll mention is Wolverine Patch that came out uh, last week. For those of you that are nostalgia kind of Wolverine fans, this is when Logan had a white tuxedo and a black bow tie and an eye patch. He went by the name of Patch and wasn't really a bounty hunter but just did adventures and things i kind of even kind of forget exactly what it was but at the time it was really cool seeing logan in a different perspective so this is issue number one um it's a beautiful looking comic um i love the artwork there's some really great dynamic action shots you know a comic has good art when one of your favorite panels is logan falling through trees and hitting the ground really hard and it, it looks fantastic. It's really good. The one thing I'm not a huge fan of is dialogue for no point of having dialogue. Now, I love my wordy comics, so I'm not saying I don't like it. But when a character is by themselves and they speak a whole bunch by themselves for a page, would you actually be talking to yourself or would you think it? Or maybe you could condense that to like one sentence, right? So he's basically, he's lost and looking around where to go. And he says, oh, once I know where I'm going, I'll be able to do this. Well, he also could say, hmm, maybe I should go there or whatever. So my only small gripe is that there's a lot of dialogue that I think isn't meant, that doesn't need to be there, especially when you're by yourself. So either you should be saying that in your head, like in your thoughts, or for some reason you have to speak everything out loud. But for first issue, it was really fun. It looks great. And so I'm kind of wondering to see where the next couple of issues go. So we'll see how it goes. If you're going to decide between Punisher 1 and Wolverine Patch 1, not going to lie, I might go with Wolverine Patch number 1 overall. Except Punisher number 1 still has a really interesting twist, which I'm really wondering how they're going to resolve it. So um, if this team would have done Punisher 1, I probably would have liked Punisher 1 better. And it wasn't bad. I'm not saying it wasn't bad. Like some of the art to digitize and stuff story, eh. But again, they spun off something that I'm really curious about. So there's lots of ones. Apparently, uh, Marvel is like this one. They're one-upping this month, apparently. So They um, are. There's new Spider-Man. There's new uh, Deadpool came out this week. Yeah, mm -hmm. lot, uh, new Marauders, uh, a new X-Men Red. Lots of new stuff. Uh, so we'll, we'll give you a, a clue in on that 
next week after we've read some of it. Okay, let's throw things over to Craig and Hank for a bit and uh, their take on pop culture for the week. And then uh, Dave's going to talk a little bit about music. Hey, everybody, this is Craig Silliphant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Hank Cruz. Hey, Cruz. And, and we've got a few things we're going to talk about this week. We're going to stick and move, talk about a few things. But Hank, I know there's a couple of shows you watched this week that uh, yeah. you wanted to throw down here. I'll, uh, I'll tell you an embarrassing story. So I was on the, on the Disney Plus app. You know that one where they got all the Disney shows yep. and all the Marvel shows and all everything else Disney owns? And then I saw this uh, show called The Dropout. And I saw um, a word on there that I thought was Thanos. And I went, oh, it's something to do with Thanos. That's okay. So I click on this and start watching it. No, as it turns out, uh, it's about a company called Theranos. So T-H-E-R-A-N-O-S. But I just saw Thanos, so I started. So the reason why I started watching the show called The Dropout is because I thought Thanos was in it for some weird reason. Thanos, <laughs> like, isn't that that company that uh, made those fake blood tests or whatever? Yeah. yeah. So it is based on uh, the story of Elizabeth Holmes, who went and created this company, Theranos, because she came up with this idea that you could go and with one tiny drop of blood test for all of this stuff and it would get rid of the need to go to the doctor all the time and you could do it at home and it was this whole thing well as it turns out this is well one of the most interesting shows i've watched this year so far it's it's great and i uh, i'm glad i stumbled upon that so it's got amanda seyfried say is that how you pronounce it Seyfried. she stars as elizabeth holmes um and then it uh, starts from when she's in going to college and then she drops out hence the dropout, to uh, form this company. But originally, like this isn't a spoiler because I'm sure other people know about this. I didn't know about it, but uh, it they got it to work like one time it works. So they went, oh my God. So they start selling it everywhere and going to talk to all of these and getting FDA approval and it turns into politics. And all. But it's fascinating to see once she realized it doesn't work and then her boyfriend, who uh, Sonny, who was played by Navina Andrews, who I haven't seen since Lost, I think. He's been um, lost. He, oh, he's back and still foxy as ever. And yeah. the, uh, um, they both know that it doesn't work. So now they're running this company that's valued at billions of dollars with a product that doesn't work, but they keep getting more money and everything. So now there is, there's supposed to be eight episodes. There's six or seven out now. Um, I don't know how it ends and I didn't go on the internet to find out. And I'm like, Oh, is she going to jail? Is somebody going to die? I'm like, Oh, this is exciting. And it's uh, surprisingly uh, really good. So Disney plus, but it's a Hulu show. And that's why we're getting that on Disney plus in Canada. So in the States right. it would be there, but it's Hulu. And uh, I went to the, uh, the theater because uh, the internet's told me that there was a movie called Morbius. That was a, uh, a Marvel movie. And is that a cross between like morbid and curious? So you had to go? Possibly. You, had, you were so a little Morbius? I'm like, okay, I've never heard of this Morbius character before. And I know that uh, Brennan, who's listening right now, and probably Jody and Dave will be mad because well, how do you not know about Morbius? But I don't know who Morbius was. So I heard Marvel. Well, it's another one of these uh, Spider-Man things where Sony still has the rights to Morbius. Yeah. But then Marvel's wedding them. It's a whole thing. So the Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 16%. And I went, why am I going to see this movie? I'm like, all right. So I go, because of the 16% in my head, I'm expecting the worst movie ever. So when it wasn't the worst movie ever, I was quite happy when I left and went, huh, hey, that was mildly entertaining. I'd still give it about a 
high 40s, maybe a 50. But to go from a 16% up there, my expectations were so low. Uh, the movie was pretty good. Pretty good. But I uh, do you know about Morbius? Do you know who this uh, Yeah, I do actually, because I grew up reading a lot of Spider-Man comics and he's a basically a Spider-Man bad guy. So which is why Sony, who owned the rights to Spider-Man and all his properties, still own the rights to uh, you know Morbius and, and lots of those other bad guys like Venom. If I was DC, I would try to sue these guys because the entire movie is just about him being Batman. It's just him surrounded by bats flying through the air and doing these Batman type things. Well, I'm like, eh. I always got a pretty like, I mean, I guess this is also Marvel, but a pretty good like Blade vibe off of yeah. uh, some of that it's world too. Yeah, in fact, there may even be comics with Blade and Morbius in them. I don't now. Now Brennan's really just shouting at his radio, but yeah, now he's angry. Sorry, Brennan. Uh, so the uh, question for you, Craig, is: Has that happened to you before, where your expectations were so low? that you left going, hey, I got my money's worth. But on the other hand, if I went in here, the audience scores is 70% of Rotten Tomatoes. If I was expecting a 70, I'd be pissed off. I got ripped out with a 70, yeah. a 40 something. Yeah, I think it often happens the other way around where like you hear something is really good, a masterpiece, and then you go see it and you're like, ah, that wasn't quite a masterpiece. But it definitely has happened to me before where you know I've uh, either heard that a movie was terrible and I thought it was brilliant and loved it or you know, more like what happened in your case where I was like, okay, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I can see why people don't like it and it's not great, but it, you know, it wasn't 16%, it was 50%, you know? And our uh, best friend, Jared Weddle uh, there, um, he wasn't being Jared Weddle in the movie. So there wasn't really a weird accent. There wasn't oh. a whole bunch of, but well, you know, was... he got got the the makeup and the cgi and everything to turn into the vampire guy but uh yeah he was uh, he was kind of playing it uh, kind of more of a of a normal character that as normal as you can be being a weird vampire guy but i yeah it was okay well that's i mean that's one of the main reasons why i didn't want to go see it with you guys because i just i i just can't take jared leto anymore oh uh, so is it leto of, i keep saying leto is it leto 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 i'm not sure I've, I've called him some other things that I can't say on the radio. Exactly. So we'll exactly. Stick with that. He's a goon. Uh, what's, uh, so what's up with you? Speaking of Marvel stuff, uh, I watched the first episode of Moon Knight, uh, which is another like uh, lower tier, uh, but very interesting uh, Marvel character. And so uh, Oscar Isaac uh, plays the, the sort of the title role here, but he basically is a, a goof uh, named Stephen, who works at a museum in London, and like Oscar Isaac has a you know the the uh, British accent and everything he's putting on, but he also has a split personality as he sort of discovers in the first episode, and he's Mark Spector, who is a basically a ex CIA mercenary kind of guy. Ooh, that's a cool uh, name. And so he has these very disorientating sleepwalking things where like you know he he's playing the bumbling fool and he kind of passes out and then he'll wake up in these bizarre situations uh and be it's because you know the the cia guy has taken over uh he sort of gets entangled with a you know obviously who's going to be the big bad guy this kind of cult leader uh played by ethan hawk and uh they're trying to get the the MacGuffin from him this sort of scarab uh and i've just watched the first episode i'm trying not to give too much away either uh so so far i would say it was it was interesting i'm into it the first episode was a lot of table setting but i'm interested to see where they'll take it it was kind of funny like uh you know oscar isaac was playing you know a reasonably comedic role there uh and i'm you know i'm definitely into checking out more of it just uh, out, out of curiosity, did the moon uh, fall out of orbit and come crashing towards Earth? No. Huh. 
Okay, so that's not Moon. That's Moonfall then, the movie. I, I guess, yeah. Okay. It is checking. Okay. Oh yes, that's that uh, bad Netflix one. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the other thing I wanted to quickly mention is um, just still been watching uh, Winning Time. It's like it's become one of those shows that's like my Sunday night kind of favorite show of the week. It's being released weekly on Crave slash uh, HBO, uh, and that's the one about the Showtime Lakers in the '80s. And it's just like. It's really fun. Ooh, we don't even take texts on this show. Uh, it's really fun in terms of like that, how it's shot and everything. It's very, it just has a lot of like energy and movement, but it's also a very interesting story of the Showtime Lakers. And I think they take a lot of liberties with some of the, the actual truth of it. So it's actually made me interested to go back and read a couple of books about that uh, 80s Laker team. But it's like, you know, again, following the story of Magic, Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Pat Riley, like all those guys that, and, and obviously Dr. Jerry Buss, who's played by uh, John C. Riley. Uh, so, you know, uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, if, you have, if you're not watching it, go get caught up. But uh, that's the time that we have. So we got to throw back to Jody and everybody here. So that's it for us this week. Yay! All right. Thank you, fellas. So, Dave, uh, who are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Brad Meldow, a pianist and keyboard player that I have been a fan of for a long time, even though among music fans, his reputation is sometimes somewhat maligned, both for being too avant-garde and maybe pretentious, but also for being too mainstream, because he does like to do rock pop covers, especially in his live shows. His new album just out this week is, or maybe last week, is called Jacob's Ladder, and it is definitely avant-garde, mixing in a lot of spoken word with his synthesizer playing. Um, what really caught my attention about this is that the, the entire album is kind of framed around a cover of the Rush song, Tom Sawyer. Great song. Great song. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of musicians appreciate that song, even if they don't love Getty Lee's voice, which I don't really have a problem with. But this is a chance to hear a few different vocalists performing the vocals on that song. So Rush fans should check it out. People who like avant-garde synth playing that isn't afraid to play around in rock, pop, and funk a little bit. Um, should definitely check out Jacob's Ladder. There's a lot of weird stuff going on on this album, but it starts with a short track called Maybe As His Skies Are Wide, which is, of course, a, a lyric from the Rush song. And then halfway through the album, you get this like eight or nine minute cover of, uh, you know, one of Rush's most popular songs. So something new, something different from Brad Meldow. And if you've, you know, if you've never heard him before and the Rush thing intrigues you, definitely give it a listen. If you've always poo-pooed Brad Meldow because of his reputation, um, maybe this is a time to do a little bit of a heel turn and give him a chance. Excellent. Okay. Well, that wraps up our show. Until next week, you know where to find us here on CFCR 90.5 FM. Keep your dukes up.